Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know that we can't do anything right, anything good, anything true without you. We know that, that many times life is difficult, it's hard, but Lord, we know that you are always there with us, standing with us, walking with us. We pray this morning that the words that I say would be directly from you, that you would filter out anything that's just from me, but everything would be from your Holy Spirit. We pray that, that as a church, we can think of situations in the world around us, like the people that are mourning right now in El Paso, and pray for the families that lost someone, that just went shopping. Lord, break our hearts for those in our community that are struggling. Because we've all together have struggled, whether it be now or in the past or in the future. Lord, help us today as we, as we open up your word to see what the prophet Elijah was going through is much like what we go through all the time. Help us to see who God is in 1 Kings 19. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity today to come together. So one, to hear your word preached, to worship you, to raise our hands in praise. And to realize we worship a God that is present. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I feel like I need to introduce myself again. It's kind of like the first day of school. A little nervous, you know. Got up this morning, thought, okay, what clothes do I wear? <laughs> right? Isn't that the first day of school? And so my name's John. I'm the lead pastor at Sunlight. But if you've been here in the past three months and just started coming, you don't know me. So nice to meet you. It's a great day. Um, I've got two jokes before I start. They're all directed at Neil. So if you heard Neil preach last week, the first one is he made fun of my reading. But Neil's the only person, the only person that comes into my office and says, what do I read next? And grabs like five books. Okay. So it's a little hypocritical because he's a reader too. All right because I did read 27 books. You kept bringing up that number. And the other thing is, I found out this morning there's a song that is gonna be my new anthem. I'm half the man I used to be. Isn't that like the song? I just heard that this morning, I love that. So those of you that know me, know I lost a lot of weight on sabbatical, so um, I, I am really, really excited to be back. And I wanna welcome you here at Sunlight. I felt like it's been forever. Um, my wife and I and kids, we traveled, I told a group last week, we traveled 10,000 miles on our car. So we, we drove all the way to the West Coast and back and everywhere in between, I think, was it 12 states, 13 states, somewhere around there. And so I have a huge thank, thank you, and that thank you is to the leaders of Sunlight that allowed me to take a sabbatical. And I'll tell you what, I got a lot of opportunity to meet with other pastors all over the country, some I didn't even know before I met with them, and just heard stories of, of pastors that 
really are, are kind of struggling and are, are kind of waiting for something like I had the opportunity to do this summer. And I think that it was from God because the week I come back, Neil preaches and says right away, the application point is take a Sabbath. So I took a longer Sabbath, you might say. Um, and today I'm gonna have the hard, very hard task of kind of trying to summarize a lot of things that happened without giving uh, too many small details, but also summarize the summer in about 35 minutes. So if you work with me here, I may start talking fast and then someone can say slow, okay? Because I'm thinking I gotta, I, I've got a lot of uh, different things to talk about. But most of all, we all need to look into the word of God today. And I, I, I know that sometimes we see the word of God and we think it's, it's distant from us. So we're gonna look in the word of God today to see someone just like us going through something like us and see God help someone just like us in ways only he can and will for us. So today, if you can turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. Old Testament, Old Testament. It's right before 2 Kings, so that's a key, right? You know, 1 Kings. 1 Kings 19, and today we're gonna look at a cautionary tale. One that I fell into. If I'm honest with myself, if I'm honest with you, I fell into. And it always starts when we lose focus. So I want you guys to know something this morning. These are Jeff Hicks bivocals. So if you see him, he's blind. Yeah, he just looked up. He can't even see me on stage, okay? So I'm gonna put these on for a second. No, I don't need glasses. Does it look a little weird? Anyone? Yeah, okay. All right. So it starts when we lose focus on the focus that gives hope, gives new life, gives grace, and gives sacrificially. So I'm calling this message the focus. If you look at that, the, the first graphic where it's got Everything is out of focus except for us because sometimes we lose focus on everything else and we focus on us. This picture right here, I actually took at Lake Tahoe. So when it's in focus, it's really beautiful, but all to me it looks like is just a blurred whatever. It could be the sea, it could be mountains, it could be something else. And so I'm gonna take you back a little bit in time. I'm gonna start two years ago. Two years ago, we, this is really hard. I'm about to get a headache. So when anyone ever have glasses and when they're not the right focus, you get a headache? I was getting a headache for the last two years a little bit. Like I was just out of focus on what I needed to focus on. So it started two years ago when we'd been without a lead pastor and a worship pastor for about nine months. I remember that the church had decided to vote on me as lead pastor and I preached the first Sunday when we opened the vote. We have two weeks that so we wait to vote, so three Sundays, but two weeks. And the next Saturday, my wife calls me from work and says, I think I'm in labor. You can't be in labor. We plan this so that you're going to be, you know, having the baby after they finish this vote and everything's going to be okay. But instead, my daughter came at about 1130 on a Saturday night. Some of you may remember because you probably walked in and said, Roger Andrews is here? Why is Roger here? and thought, oh, well, John's in the hospital with a baby. And so it was in the middle of that, and, and, and I knew in that moment that I was called to this church, this context, this place by God. And I also knew, because I'd sat through two lead pastors leaving, I'd sat through two interim periods, I sat through various staff leaving for various reasons, and those of you that have been at Sunlight for a long time, you have two. And you probably, there's some hurt from that. 
And so one of the first Sundays I get up here to preach, the night before, I had a panic attack. And that's the only thing I can attribute it to because I wasn't having a heart attack. And I, and I had this panic attack and I knew from that day forward I was under spiritual attack. I knew that the enemy was trying to destroy what God had created his church. And it made it so much more real to me and I, I, I missed it before that. That was 2017. And so then I get to 2018, and 2018 had highs and lows, but the kind of downward spiral of I statements. How many of you parents love it when your kids go, well, I, if you say I a lot, you're gonna get in trouble, trust me. My five-year-old says I. This morning, there was various things that we were doing, and, and I thought I statements are what described 2018 for me. I put my heart and soul into getting another pastor on staff, which I am, after much prayerful reflection, I am so glad we have Pastor Aaron on staff. He is such a joy to have on staff. He, I'm thankful for God's grace that him and Sarah are able to be here. And then some of you know I had some health issues fall of last year, and I think I was out, for, out of the office for like three weeks almost. I think they were both self-inflicted by stress, but I also think it was spiritual warfare because I can't explain things. Like I had doctors, like they, they didn't know what was wrong, but everything was wrong and they couldn't figure it out. And then I'm taking all these tests and I wanted to fight through all my health problems, but it all led to one more time that I couldn't do anything. And many of you today have walked in with a situation that comes to mind when I say you can't do anything about it and it stresses you out. I wanted, to, I wanted to fight more. And I thought, what's gonna happen next? And then God showed me. I don't know how many of you were here the Sunday this happened, but Saturday night at about five o'clock, I thought it was really cool to blow out the leaves out of my gutter, but then it started freezing. It got colder in the evening. And about five o'clock, I turned, I slipped, I fell, my front two teeth went through my bottom lip. This is like a few weeks after I got sick. And I'm like, so I'm hitting there with my lip, you know, like, like fat lip. I go into urgent care on a Saturday night. Luckily, they weren't closed. It was about 30 minutes till they closed. I walk in, and I'm so thankful Tammy McCoy was there. <laughs> and Tammy McCoy was there and was like, he's got to preach tomorrow. Don't give him stitches. So, so basically, I got my glued lip that's oozing on Sunday morning, and I preached with an oozing fat lip. And I thought, well, what? is going to happen next. I mean, if it was a Wednesday, that would have been fine, but not Saturday night, come on. I kept seeing things I couldn't fix, situations I can't fix, and by the grace of God, he didn't let me fix. And so when we, when we process through those things in our life, many times it's the grace of God that allows it to stay the way it is. And in the background, Sunlight had more exciting things happening. We were able to partner with two other churches, fund a water project. There, there's, a, there's a village in Haiti that has water as the result of your generosity. Do you understand? That's exciting. That is so cool. Imagine one day you had no water. I wouldn't survive. I need a toilet at least, okay? But there's no water. 
And then someone comes to your village and builds water that doesn't make you sick every time you drink it. You got to be a part of that. I was excited. And then 2019 comes. In, in January, I had the privilege of talking about our bigger vision series and seeing ways that God has a bigger vision than we have. But something still wasn't right. And so February hit. Man, February. Snow comes, all the things you don't like in winter. I'm sorry, maybe you like snow. February hits. And I distinctly remember walking into an elder meeting. And after us sharing a little bit about the things God was doing, I still was in a funk. And I knew this was worse than I thought, but I, I kept listening to the lies. And I, it was, I, I, I. I was spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, and intellectually exhausted. An author I read this summer, he put it this way. All of those things is the perfect womb for depression. All you're gonna do is birth depression. That's the only thing you can get out of that because you're gonna start focusing on yourself because you're in survival mode. I was caught in the crosshairs of the greatest challenge of my life, but it was sneaky. It was sneaky. And I didn't know what to do next except cling to my faith in Jesus. I kept making choices that further perpetuated the problems. I'd been focusing on the wrong things and anything we focus on except for the focus. There's only one focus, and that's Jesus Christ. If we're focused on anything else, that's gonna lead to depression and anxiety. It's simple. And you want more, and you want more, and you want more. And so I can identify with Elijah in 1 Kings 19, and I think many of us can. Everyone's had a high point in their life, so I, I'm going to ask you right now to do something. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. Think in your mind of when you were a kid and you have a memory that you cherish a lot. Maybe you went to Disneyland. Maybe, maybe you had a great Christmas. Maybe it was a trip with one of your parents. Whatever that is, once you come off that mountaintop, you have a valley experience. And, and Elijah had that, and, and he prayed for, this is the stuff that he had just had happen. If you can't identify with Elijah, okay. He prayed for rain for seven years, and rain came. He called down fire from heaven by asking God in his power to do it. That's pretty cool. If I called down fire from heaven, I think more people would be in the room because they'd be like, whoa, I'm going to hear that guy preach, right? If fire from heaven. The nation of Israel was turning back from pagan gods, and, and, and he, he beat 850 pagan prophets in a showdown. If that wasn't enough, he got some supernatural speed. We're talking like crazy speed and ran away from the king's chariot. I may have lost a lot of weight, but I can't outrun a chariot, okay? I don't think any of us can. He was on top of the mountain, he'd been at the top of the mountain, and I can say I felt like I was at the top of the mountain because things were going really well. We're having a baby, we just moved into a new house. Things were good here at the church, but then something happened to Elijah, and I think this is where we get lost. I'm not gonna try to read with these, by the way, okay? This is the last time you'll see this, so take pictures. Okay, all right. We're done, we're done with those. It's gonna give me a headache. 
When we lose sight of what's important, we start realizing, when we lose sight of what's important and what's the focus, we start realizing that maybe there's something else causing it. Usually it's ourselves. So 1 Kings 19, turn with me there. I'm gonna read through verse eight. And, and Elijah, like I said, just outran a chariot. God just called fire down from heaven. He's on a mountaintop experience doing what he was called to do and God was showing up. And then it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them this time tomorrow. She threatened his life right here. Verse three, it says, and then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But then he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough, O Lord, or enough now, O Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. The same man that stared 850 people that wanted to murder him runs from one. What changed? He, Jezebel makes this threat and he becomes afraid. So the first thing we can notice about this is when we lose focus, we're gonna believe the lies. People are gonna gossip around us and we're gonna start believing what they're saying. Watch, we, we watch others consistently say things that do not work and yet we believe they work. It's not reality. My favorite thing to watch, I love watching Facebook videos that tell you like, Life hacks, right? You look at life hacks. Oh, you can use Windex to kill bugs. Well, Windex is more expensive than bug spray, so I don't understand. Anyways, um, but, but different things, like all that kind of stuff. But does it really work? We listen to what the world says, and our significance is found in how we look, what we own, and how we compete. Those are three things we find it in. And it's easy to believe the lies when you're not focused on the one true focus, but I think we gotta kind of flip the coin a little bit here and look at Jezebel. Jezebel is foolish enough to threaten to kill the man that serves a God that just put fire down from heaven. That's foolish. She was believing the lie that her gods were still more powerful. Some of us have walked in with other things that we're worshiping that we're spending our time doing, and it's not the focus of Jesus Christ. And what we're saying is, just like Jezebel, we're saying, hey, these work for me. 
Jezebel was just as foolish. She believed lies. We think we're not like Jezebel, but when we put other gods like money, status, power, and relationships before God, we're effectively saying, God, you have less power than this. You may give this in your grace. You may give a great relationship in your grace. But when that comes on a pedestal, there's a problem. The second point we can notice is when we lose focus, we default to focus on ourselves. We default to focus on ourselves. So Elijah in verse four sits under this tree and I can just imagine the sigh he let out. He sat in the the tree and he goes, (sighs) and then he focused on how he is not good enough. He forgot the other part of the truth that God in his grace had put him in that situation in the first place. The same God that called fire down from it, the fire came down from heaven to show his power and Elijah was thinking he's the main character when God was the star of the movie. And Elijah was half right about thinking he's the main character but he had nothing left. Because he did have nothing left. Because God was the source of the power he needed. God shows up in this moment with what he needs. So when, when we lose focus, when we, when we can't see clearly, we don't expect God to provide. Simple as that. We don't expect God to provide. God sends an angel and gives Elijah some food. He gives him food and water, and it strengthens him for 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you want that food? I want that food. No one's raising their hands. 40 days and 40 nights. If I had to eat once every 40 days, that's some good food because God has that kind of power. He sends him more than he needed. 40 days and 40 nights. So I'm here to tell you this morning, don't doubt God's promises to you. Don't doubt God's promises to you. You know, you you think at this point, Elijah's depression would leave. You notice he said, just take my life. I can't do anything more. I'm done. I got nothing left. But he doesn't. He doesn't stop being depressed. And we're going to see that. So let's look, look at verse 9 through 18. I think it's important how many times Elijah says something very, very similar and very depressed. Starting in verse 9, it says, There he came to a cave and he lodged in it. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, you notice the I there? There's a lot of eyes here. Even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. God's gonna do something now. Something even more, even greater. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. 
But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if I can take this one more time. This third time here. I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they said, they, they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be the king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Abel, oh man, that's a hard word right there, Meloah, I don't know, I can't say that right. You shall anoint to be the prophet in your place, and the one who escapes the, war, the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to get death. And I want you guys to hear this. This last verse is very important because he's answering Elijah's question that he's asked three times. The statement that he said and saying, Elijah, you're not right. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. We can, we can lose focus pretty easily. When we, when we lose focus, we fall into old patterns. We fall into old patterns. So this summer, obviously I made some life changes because you guys, I'm half the man I used to be or whatever. I'm not really half the man I used to be. That would be mean I weighed a lot more than I do now even. Um, and so you have to make changes, otherwise you're gonna fall into old patterns. When you lose focus, you go to the lowest common denominator. He, he said he's the only one. He said he, he made all these I statements over and over. Don't you think God heard him the first time? You know, one of my, my pet peeves is, you know when your kids, they, they, they poke at you and they say, I want this, I want this, I want this, and you're like, I heard you the first time, right? That's how we, we go to God. We say, I want, I, I, uh, uh. Didn't he already ask for God to kill him? And then he says, hey, right here, these other people are seeking my life. He continues to justify and explain how much he has done and how he's alone. If we're, if we're not careful, if we don't switch our focus, we're gonna continue the same patterns after God provides. God provided him food that kept him fed for 40 days and 40 nights. God rained fire down from heaven. God ended a seven-year drought, but it wasn't enough. Don't explain away God's provision in your life. Don't explain away God's provision. It's so easy to explain away the things, the people, the relationships, the, the, the way that God has provided. Don't explain it away. Then God does something I dare say none of us have seen. And he does something miraculous. See in verse 11 and 12. Look in verse 11 and 12. When we lose focus, we forget the power of God. Elijah 
had a strong wind that it says broke rocks off the mountain. I don't know in my lifetime if I've ever seen something like it. Rocks flying off a mountain because of wind, the next thing happens, an earthquake, and then fire, and then a whisper. God is the creator God, the God of the universe. He is and was and is to come. His power can't be matched, and he has no rival. And Elijah knows this in his head, but his heart and his mind are not matching up. His heart's like, I've given up. When we lose focus, we think we're alone. For years, when I was younger, I didn't understand the statement that some people say when they say, even if I'm in a room with people, I feel alone. Even if I'm in a room with people, I feel alone. I'm an extrovert, so I don't know. I never feel alone, right? The problem is that's not true. This summer, we got to visit a ton of places. When you're a visitor at a church, you get some weird experiences, okay? Some weird things. I went to, we went to one service that was like two hours long, and I thought I was in a foreign country because two hours is way too long for church, okay? (laughs) Too long. Their announcements were like 25 minutes. If you want to know afterwards, I'll tell you which church so you don't go there. So, we forget things so, so easily. We think we're alone. But there's people sitting in here right now, and you may be one of them, that when you come to church, you sit down, you don't talk to a soul, and you walk out that back door, and the only reason you're here is you're clinging to what Elijah was clinging to, and that is that the power of God is gonna transform your heart. Well, I wanna tell you something. Some of that power is, is, is through the, the church and coming together because we're not alone. God makes it very clear right there at the end. 7,000 people have not bowed to these other gods. You are not the only one, Elijah. You are not the only one. If you're going to work or school and you're the only believer that's following Christ, you're not the only one. Don't forget that. It's not worth it. When you're in a really uncomfortable situation and you're the only one speaking the truth, you're not alone. It's really easy to think you're alone because we put on the wrong focus. I think I'm going to fall off the stage. This is weird. I feel like I'm in a fishbowl. We put on the wrong focus. We don't see the beauty in the background. That picture's really beautiful, but it looks like a blob because we lost focus. God should have been the focus of Elijah's heart, not his own circumstances. I love that song that we sang earlier because There is another one in the fire you're in. There is another one holding back the seas. It's holding back everything. That that, that you're under attack. Because, because, Because Elijah lost focus. And in some ways he lost some of his faith. He said, it's just me. When Jesus is the focus, 
And when I say this, when I say the word folk, the focus, I mean Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only focus. He's the only thing we can focus on and find what we're looking for. He's the only focus that allows us to see clearly. And when we choose to focus on anything else, we're going to become very disappointed. And most of all, when we lose focus, we miss out on what God's doing. We miss out on what God's doing. When we lose focus, we miss out on what God's doing. You know, in February, when I walked into that meeting, I was missing out on what God was doing. In my mind, things were right. Things were good. Things were true. And in my heart, there was no joy. It was just one more thing to deal with. One more thing. And we're going to have moments like that. And I I want to tell you something. And... I want you to know that I have worked for years. In, before, well, before I was at Sunlight, I worked in social work and I, I worked in mental health fields. But, and I can tell you this from a perspective of seeing people that I've had to counsel and I, I've seen it on the other end of things from seeing family members um, that have struggled with this. Depression is a beast from the pit of hell. And I'm just gonna say that. It will destroy people. It destroys families. Satan will use anything to disable the people of God and their mission. He will use anything. He he will do anything to disable us to moving away from the power of God and what God is doing. He will take out our leaders. He wanted to destroy me. I'm convinced. I have no doubt of that now. If we're focused on the focus, we can't lose sight of the eternal picture. There is a bigger picture. There's a bigger vision that sometimes we are not able to see. Because if we could see what God is doing in, in, his, in his immensity, in his infiniteness, then guess what? We would be God. So sometimes when, when we doubt and we wrestle with things, we got to have faith that God is much bigger than anything we're wrestling with. That he's in the fire with us. That if we're struggling with depression... He is right there comforting us. We're all going to have moments and seasons that I just went through. But we're going to need to return to the well that doesn't run dry. To the one, the one that Jesus describes the water that he gives, this living water, to the woman at the well and says, drink this living water because it's never going to run dry. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, has been a huge encouragement to me. We quote 30 and 31 a lot, but I think it's much better at 28. Starts in Isaiah 40, 28, says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of, of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. It's greater than anything we can know. He gives power to the faint. If you walked in this morning and you're faint, God is gonna give you power. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. And this is what we've heard a lot. If you've grown up in the church, you've heard these verses commonly 
Even youth shall grow faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. I started this summer and I'm in a totally different place than I was three months ago. And some of you may say, well, you got to take time off. Reality is it was hard work. I came back with rhythms and patterns that I can, I can do while I'm here, while I'm serving. I come back renewed, encouraged, and understanding what my position before God is. My position, compared to the God of the universe, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're broken, stressed, physically exhausted, maybe long-suffering. I grew up in a home where most of my life, my mom took care of my dad because he had multiple kidney transplants. Every day, having to take care of something, something medical. If you're long-suffering, the God of the universe knows. He loves you and he cares. Don't forget that. Don't lose the focus. Don't realize anything you're going through. You have a savior that experienced the same exhaustion, the same pain, the same relational stress. Everything you're experiencing, no matter how deep that pain, that sorrow is, no matter how deep that depression is, God is there. If I learned one thing this summer, as followers of Jesus, we need to reflect more. We need to reflect more. We need to find communion with God, whether it's being in nature, journaling. My handwriting's horrible, so I'm not much of a journaler, but I do keep something on my phone. Running, reading. I know some of you, before the summer I didn't run, so, okay, I know running's a little crazy but running's a way we can commune with God. Reading, maybe it's sitting on your porch, taking 15 minutes a day with the word of God right there, sitting on your porch and reflecting on how he's provided, what he's done. He provided for the physical needs, the spiritual needs, the emotional needs, and the intellectual needs. Elijah needed to know about the power of God, so he sent down a wind, an earthquake, and fire. He can do the same for you. Maybe it's even daydreaming or walking. You know, something I learned that's, that's very interesting is maybe you just need to sleep more. You know, some people actually get their best thoughts when they wake up from a good sleep because your mind processes information at night. Maybe you need to sleep. I already told someone to sleep in one day a week, I know. Like, I'm gonna be the sleep Nazi. If you ask me for help, I'll be like, sleep. <laughs> I'm kidding. Take some time daily this week to talk to God by yourself and think about him. There's this Eastern thought that you meditate by emptying your mind. God is asking you to fill your mind with the things of God. 
his word, prayer. Spend time sharing your dreams with him. Maybe you're struggling just like Elijah. Is he the star of your movie or is he just an extra? Is he just off to the side? You claim him when someone asks, but in your heart, you haven't given it to him. Is he your best friend or is he just an acquaintance? That sometimes you, you pull out when you, when you wanna feel better about yourself. Have you lost your focus? There is only one focus in our life that we need to redirect our eyes to, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the one who saves. He's the one that, that experienced the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain for us. Maybe you're feeling like Elijah was. We want to pray for you. At the end of service, come forward. We're going to have people to pray for you. Maybe you've never been focused on God and you're here today and you're just saying, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. Maybe, maybe you've never been focused on Jesus and maybe you don't know that he rose from the dead. The same power that's in him is in us through his Holy Spirit. The power over life and death. Come up for prayer. And maybe you just lost focus. Maybe you heard one of those and you said, that's how I feel right now. And you just need some prayer. Come forward for prayer. We'll pray with you. Aaron's gonna continue our service right here. And we're gonna sing another in the fire. And as we do that, you can come forward for prayer. You can come forward as we sing the song, after the song, whenever you choose. But just remember right now, remember that the God of the universe knows what you're going through, he cares about you, and he loves you.